This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no bias, and no bull. June 11, 2020. Two economic releases today. The first one was initial jobless claims. The prior week was 1.897 million. The most recent week of, of June 6 was forecast to see 1.565 million claims. Actual was 1.542 million. So less than the prior week and less than forecast. Producer prices came out today for April. They were down 1.3% month over month. The forecast for May was a 0.1% increase and actual was 0.4%. So much more than uh, April and more than expected. Year over year, prices were down 1.2% in April. Forecast for May was minus 1.1% and the actual was minus 0.8%. Again, a little bit better than April and better than forecast. The core index, which excludes food and energy, uh, was down 0.3% in April, expected to be down 0.1% in May, was down 0.1% in May as expected. And year over year, the core rate was 0.6% in April, expected to be 0.3% in May, and it was 0.3% in May as expected. So the month over month change, or the uh, the overall change, month over month and year over year were better than expected, and the month over month and year over year change in the core rate were just as expected. So this tells us without, when we take out food and energy, that the core rate is uh, still very weak, and this is why the uh, Federal Reserve, it's another reason why the Federal Reserve can keep interest rates very low. Now, today, the market tanked, and it is largely due to the fact that investors were worried about the uh, coronavirus coming back after states opened up. Johns Hopkins reportedly said that uh, 21 states are seeing rising cases and 9 states are seeing rising hospitalizations. So investors are very worried about that, but there's also still some carryover effects from yesterday's comments from uh, Fed Chairman uh, Jerome Powell uh, saying that uh, the outlook uh, is is not uh, not quite in tune with what the market is saying. It's going to be a more drown-out recovery, and uh, they're not expecting to raise interest rates until at least 2023. So that portends a very, very weak recovery. So those two things combined have uh, knocked the stock market back along with the fact that the market has had a pretty decent run-up recently, so there was bound to be a little bit of a pullback if there was any bad news whatsoever. And I have to imagine, too, that some investors are a little bit jittery about what's happening in Seattle. If you're not aware of what's happening in Seattle, uh, a group of protesters has cordoned off about a six or seven block area of Seattle and renamed it Cap Hill Autonomous Zone basically cordoning them off from the United States. That's what it says on their little barricades they have. So, But these aren't just uh, fly-by-night protesters. These are well-armed with assault rifles, and they are uh, extorting businesses for fees, checking IDs uh, for, from residents to make sure they live there, and demanding that the mayor resign without, uh, unless she defunds or... or they said defund the police, but they probably mean dismantle the police. Um, and they have a whole list of demands as well, 
like free education, free housing, um, the elimination of uh, imprisonment, release of prisoners, retrial of of black um, crimes that have that were uh, committed and uh, for which people were imprisoned over I don't know how many years. Uh, so they have a huge list of like 30 demands that almost all of them I, I highly doubt will be met. But, you know, this is the state where uh, Microsoft is located, and, I'm, I'm, and I think Amazon's located there too. Um, Amazon's located everywhere, but I think their headquarters is there. So you have two high-tech companies there, uh, you know, and nobody knows how far this is going to spread. More than likely, they're not going to spread past their enclave. However, uh, initial reports were that the Seattle police were going to pull back from all of their precincts after giving up the east side precinct. Uh, which is where the the protesters are are kind of um, centered around right now. But if the police pull back from the other precincts, then this kind of uh, cordon off zone could spread. So there's a lot of concern there. So I do believe that uh, that is also weighing on the market. I might be wrong, but I, I know if I was an investor, I would certainly be worried about that because big wars and big revolutions start with small things like this. Okay, on to uh, a few tidbits from around the economy and the world. The retail stock market investors are piling on bets on bankrupt U.S. companies. Retail shareholders in the U.S. are piling into stocks of bankrupt companies in a sign of the speculative investment wave sweeping the market. Shares in Hertz, the car hire group, and JCPenney, the U.S. retailer, have more than doubled since the start of the month. Despite both companies wading through bankruptcy proceedings that could end with the stocks falling to zero, rally in speculative stocks has only intensified the divide between markets and the economy, with the strongest U.S. expansion on record ending in February as coronavirus rippled across the country. Despite a double-digit jobless rate and the benchmark S&P 500 is only marginally lower for the year, well, that was up until today, uh, yesterday it briefly recouped all its losses since the year began. This was... This is news from June 10th, so they're talking about June 9th. Investors may be holding out hope that the U.S. government will take action to save certain companies from collapse. Global research reveals scientists have much to learn about the new coronavirus. COVID-19, the official death toll, is more than 400,000 with millions infected. 6.8% of the population in England has been infected. Spain has 5.2%. 17% of Londoners have it. New York City, 22.7%. Uh, such levels are far below the 60% needed for her herd immunity to stop the virus spreading. The SARS-CoV-2 virus is responsible for COVID-19. Repeat, the SARS-CoV-2 virus responsible for COVID-19 infects most people without revealing its presence. Studies show that roughly two-thirds of people who carry enough virus to test positive never develop symptoms. The incubation period for patients who develop symptoms is typically five to six days. A severe form of COVID-19, which typically appears about a week after first symptoms, appears to be more of a vascular and inflammatory disease, though few tissues are and organs are immune from its effects. Death can arrive as soon as two weeks after symptoms start or as long as eight weeks later. And uh, let's see here. Individuals' risk of dying depends on a range of factors from age to sex to underlying health conditions such as diabetes and heart disease, as well as the circumstances of infection and quality of medical care. 
The reproduction number, R, measures the average number of new cases generated by each inf infected individual. Although R0, the basic reproduction number in a population with no immunity and no containment measures, may have been above 3 early in the pandemic in Europe and North America, social distancing has pushed R below 1 in most countries. The Fed, the Fed faces a tricky balancing act in recession response. Many economists are expecting Fed officials to signal that output will shrink by a margin this year, a big margin this year, with interest rates remaining on hold at zero for the next few years, which would reinforce their dovish stance and determination to keep monetary policy very loose. This is that was leading up to yesterday's meeting, so that's pretty much what happened. Since March, the Fed has slashed interest rates dramatically, expanded its balance sheet through asset purchases, and set up fed, federal set up several fa facilities to lend to struggling entities. The economic and social impact of mass protests unfolding in recent days across the U.S. may also add a new element of uncertainty for the Fed, as I just mentioned. Home working option most likely to benefit older staff. Older workers are the most likely to have jobs that can be performed remotely, making them, making them the demographic most likely to be able to continue working during lockdowns. I'll have more to say about this in a minute. 44% of workers over 55 were in jobs that could be done at home. It is allowed. It has also allowed them to continue their careers longer than planned to recoup retirement savings hit by a downturn. Older workers are the fastest-growing demographic in the U.S. workforce. The number of over 65 had risen by 87% since December 2007. While older workers are the most likely to be able to work from home, they have also disproportionately lost jobs since the pandemic began. Employment among those 65 fell 10% between February and May of 2020. Okay, and uh, the crisis will leave the deepest economic scars during peace for a century, says the OECD. OECD. Rich countries will be left with deeper economic scars from the coronavirus pandemic than any other peacetime recession in the past 100 years. The, the warnings paint a far gloomier picture of the next few years than global equity markets, which have recovered sharply from their marked lows as investors take a much more upbeat view on global prospects. Again, that was until today. If the world avoids a second wave of COVID-19, the global economy is likely to contract by 12% in the first half of 2020. By the end of 2021, it will still be below the level it reached at the start of 2020. The cumulative economic hit by the end of next year would be more than 6% compared with the OECD's forecast last November. In a more pessimistic scenario, the OECD warned that a second wave of virus would knock 10% off output by the end of next year compared with its previous forecast. The Chinese, premier admi Chinese Premier's admission on poverty provokes outcry. Beijing is facing a public outcry over its claim to have basically won the war on poverty after the Premier had been in more than two-fifths of Chinese people made less than $140 a month. The backlash has raised what questions about Beijing's ability to meet on one of its biggest policy goals, even though President Xi Jinping has said in March that China has made decisive achievements in eliminating poverty. We have almost met our goal and have basically eradicated poverty on a regional level, he said. Official data showed the number of living in poverty fell to 5.5 million last year from 99 million in 2012. The vast improvement, however, has been met with skepticism because China's definition of poverty differs from international norms. Okay, the worst of the crisis is over for the U.S. economy, says Morgan Stanley Chief. U.S. banks suspended their share buybacks, which are much bigger than their dividends in March. Mr. Gorman said he saw no reasons why we can, why we have enough 
he saw no reasons why, when we have enough clarity around the economic outlook, we wouldn't be instituting our buyback again. U.S. consumer spending shows tentative signs of recovery. Americans are opening their wallets as they emerge from lockdown, with data showing U.S. consumer spending picked up in many in May, and even uh, the hardest-hit re- re- retailers reporting that sales improved by more than they expected. MasterCard published yesterday showed that re- uh, U.S. retail sales, excluding the automobile sector, dropped 5.6% in May from a year ago. In April, the figures showed a 14.1% decline. So uh, a decline in May, but not nearly as big of a decline as in April. Home improvement, e-commerce, and groceries helped offset weaker sales of clothing, jewelry, and other more expensive products. U.S. hardware sales online and in-store rose uh, 36% year-on-year in May. Furniture sales rose 7.5%. U.S. subprime borrowers are weathering the storm, but but the rush for extensions raises concerns. Investors are rushing back into the U.S. subprime bond market as lenders say borrowers with weak credit scores are weathering the COVID-19 storm better than in previous downturns. Okay. Uh, just a quick note from my friend, uh, Elliot Eisenberg. And he's talking about hotels. Hotel occupancy is up for the seventh straight week, albeit from a staggeringly depressed level. For the week ending May 30, 2020, U.S. hotels enjoyed, if you can call it that, an occupancy rate of 36.6%, pushing weekly demand to about 11 million room nights. The average daily rate per occupied room was $82.94, down 33.3% from the prior year. The average rate per room including all rooms occupied or vacant, was just $30.34, down 62.1% from the prior year. Now for a quick read of an article on U.S. debt. The debt burden on the U.S. economy surged in the first quarter as the coronavirus pandemic struck, according to a report from the Federal Reserve released Thursday. Total domestic financial total domestic non-financial debt rose at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 11.7% in the first three months of the year to $55.9 trillion. That's the fastest pace since the fourth quarter of 1986. Household debt rose 3.9% and business debt jumped 18.8%, the largest increase since the records began in 1946. Wow. Federal debt rose 14.4%. By another measure, U.S. household net worth dropped by 5.6% in the first quarter to $110.8 trillion, as stock market wealth fell by 23%. That's the biggest decline on record. With stocks recovering in the second quarter, much of that decline will likely be regained in the second quarter, depending on if uh, this uh, big decline today is a sign of things to come or if it's just a one-off and then we go back up from here. We'll see. The massive debt load won't be any help as the country tries to recover from the sudden shutdown to the economy in the first quarter that threw the economy into recession. Businesses took on debt because their revenue collapsed. A fairy tale ending to this coronavirus is unlikely. There is too much trouble. There is too much debt, said Robert Bruska, chief economist at FAO Economics. All right. And a couple notes from Jay Powell. Global trend, this is the Federal Reserve Chairman. Global trends and technological change have increased income inequality. Wage growth from 2009 to 2016, the the bottom 20% saw their wages rise only 6%. The top top 10% saw their wages increase 9%. Well, not that big of a difference, but there is a difference. The longer the Fed holds rates low, the stronger the economy will get, which will help to pull more low-income and minority workers back into the labor market. 
And that's a good segue into my next segment here, which is about the demographics of the pandemic. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics put out a report recently talking about the demographics uh, of the, uh, you know, what's going on with the labor market based on demographics. And they had, uh, their analysis was based on uh, the difference between highly exposed industries versus non-highly exposed industries. In other words, industries that are highly exposed to uh, um, a lot of uh, personal contact, they're thereby highly, highly exposed to the virus spreading. So what they consider highly exposed are restaurants and bars, travel and transportation, entertainment such as casinos and amusement parks, personal services such as dentists, daycare providers, and barbers, and other sensitive retail, such as department stores and car dealers, and sensitive manufacturing, such as aircraft and car manufacturing. So those are the highly exposed industries that will be compared to everything else, which is considered not highly exposed. So uh, the highly exposed, uh, in the highly exposed uh, industries, uh, the share of white workers was 75.1 and not highly exposed it was 77.4 so a little bit more a little bit higher share for white people and not highly exposed black people 13.1 percent and highly exposed 12.8 percent and not highly exposed so slightly more black people uh in highly exposed asian highly exposed 7.2 percent not highly exposed 6.4 percent so more more Asians are in highly exposed and non highly exposed, and all other was four point six highly exposed versus three point three not highly exposed men were fifty one point three percent of highly exposed and fifty one point nine percent of non highly exposed women were forty eight point one percent of highly or forty eight point seven percent of highly exposed and forty eight point one percent of not highly exposed. So men were a little bit more prevalent and not highly exposed, and women were a little bit more prevalent and highly exposed. Hispanic, big difference here, 21.3% and highly exposed versus 17.1% and not highly exposed. So that shows that Hispanics are, are more uh, subject to uh, being in industries that are exposed to personal contact and the spread of the virus. And non-Hispanic, 78.7%. Uh, 78.7% 78 highly exposed and 82.9% not highly exposed. So non-Hispanics are more likely to be in not highly exposed industries. Uh, highly exposed versus not highly exposed employment percentages of workers by age. Uh, 16 to 24 year olds were 25.9% uh, of highly exposed but only 10.3% of not highly exposed. So the uh, younger workers are more uh, uh, likely to be in highly exposed industries and therefore more, um, not only more uh, probable to lose their job, but also more probable to get sick on, on the job because of the amount of contact between people. And uh, by marital status, uh, never married was 31. 6% of highly exposed, but only 24.2% of not highly exposed. So n people who are not married 
are more in the highly exposed industries. By education, less than a high school diploma was 9.9% of highly exposed and only 6.2% of not highly exposed. So more people in highly exposed uh, uh, industries uh, that for people that don't have a high school diploma. High school diploma with no college, 34.2% of, uh, of those people are not are, are in highly exposed compared to 23.5% in non-highly exposed, so a big difference there. And some college or associate's degree, highly exposed 30.1%, not highly exposed 25.4%. So anything less than uh, some, if you have some college or associate's degree or less than that, you're more likely to be in highly exposed industries and therefore more exposed to job losses and or the virus. Highly exposed uh, versus not highly exposed uh, by hourly worker status. Hourly workers were 71.7% of highly exposed versus just 54.9% of not highly exposed. So the vast majority of people in highly exposed industries were hourly workers as opposed to salaried. Uh, Full-time versus part-time. Uh, part-time was 32.3% of highly exposed and 18.5% of not highly exposed. So almost twice as many people in highly exposed versus not highly exposed uh, for part-time workers. And it shows uh, the wage comparison. Uh, Full-time highly exposed is about, looks like about, ooh, $16 an hour, trying to read the chart. Full-time not highly exposed, about $22 an hour. Part-time highly exposed, about $12 an hour. And part-time not highly exposed, uh, about $15 an hour. So obviously full-time pays more than part-time and not highly exposed pays more than highly exposed. So there's the whole issue of now, now you're looking at people who are, are young, part-time, not married, lower educated, working in industries that are more probable to a job loss, more probable to get the virus, and are paid less. So this is really hitting the, the uh, lower end of the scale on many different factors uh, for those workers. Uh, by family type now, um, single parent, 11.4% of highly exposed, only 7.9% of not highly exposed. So single parents are more likely to be in high exposed industries as well. And by income quintiles, the lowest quintile, 14.3%. Uh, highly exposed versus just 9.1%, not highly exposed. Second quintile, 14.4 versus 12.2. And the middle quintile, 16.2 versus 15.8. So the, 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 lowest, the lowest three quintiles have more, high, have more people in highly exposed industries than not highly exposed. And it's obviously the reverse for uh, the higher income quintiles.
see here, the number of families in which 100% of family earnings from highly exposed workers. So it just basically shows that the lowest quintile has a, about 3 million families uh, in that have 100% of family earnings coming from highly exposed. The second quintile, about 1.6 million families. And the middle quintile, about 1 million families. Then the, the upper two quintiles have very few families that have 100% of family earnings coming from highly exposed workers. So again, it's much more a much bigger hit for the lower income uh, workers. And for family type, number of families in which 100% of family earnings from highly exposed workers. No children had the most at 3.2 million families, single parent 1.75 million, and married with children 1.8. So uh, a big chunk of the families that have 100% of family earnings coming from highly exposed workers is uh, families that have no children. So let me just read the conclusion here then. To combat the COVID-19 pandemic, industries that are most prone to being shut down are disproportionately composed of workers who are younger, unmarried, have less education, and workers in the highly exposed sector are more likely to be in part-time jobs and generally have lower wages uh, and total earnings than do workers in other parts of the economy. Workers in the highly exposed sector disproportionately belong to single-parent families or do not live in a family. When workers in the highly exposed sector do live with other family members, family earnings are often toward the bottom of the earnings distribution. Families with workers in the highly exposed sector are particularly vulnerable to industry shutdowns. A substantial percentage of families receive all of their earnings from family members working in the highly exposed sector. This percentage is particularly high for families whose earnings are at the bottom end of the earnings distribution. Almost 46% of families in the bottom quintile of the earnings distribution receive all of their earnings from the highly exposed sector. For families in the second quintile, this number is 24.2%. Families with children are similarly vulnerable to shutdowns as are families overall, but single-parent families with children are especially vulnerable. About 19% of single-parent single families obtain 100% of their families' earnings from workers in the highly exposed sector. The recently released CPS April 2020 estimates confirmed the vulnerability of workers in the highly exposed sector. Employment losses were widespread but were especially severe in the highly exposed sector. Furthermore, the reductions in employment were spread unevenly among various demographic groups. In some de demographic groups, employment decreased substantially overall and especially sharply in the more highly exposed sector. Particularly hard-hit groups include Hispanics, younger workers, and workers with less education level. Workers who are not family members and workers in single-parent families also experience a large fall in employment and an increase in unemployment. So that's the basic overall impact of COVID-19 on the labor market. Uh, it's a pretty devastating read. I sure hope things can turn around for, for these people really soon. really feel bad for them. Hope, hope things get better soon. Now for a, a few notes uh, on a webinar with uh, Minnesota Commissioner of Health Jan, Jan Malcolm. Uh, minorities tend to live in more dense quarters and work in high exposure jobs, like that previous report just showed. Living a healthy lifestyle is important too, though. Uh, working from home is not as easy or even impossible for some people in certain industries. Pandemic and protests are laying bare inequalities in housing, education, and health care. Malcolm disagrees with opening everything while protecting the vulnerable due to continued community spread. 
I asked, what if we just open everything else while protecting, uh, you know, the vulnerable, which are the elderly and those with uh, underlying conditions? And um, she didn't get back to me, but it sounds like she probably wouldn't agree with me because she doesn't agree with uh, Senator Gazelka's uh, um, or Representative Gazelka's uh, uh, wish to do that. Uh, the Star Tribune says hospitals are releasing uh, COVID-19 patients to nursing homes and long-term care facilities, but Malcolm says that that is not happening. So I asked a question uh, about that. You know, who's right? Who's telling the truth? And I didn't get an answer on that either. So I'm not sure what's going on there either. Majority of long-term care facilities only have one or two cases, and the larger outbreaks have stabilized. 21 states are seeing big increases in cases, hospitalizations, ICU bed use, and fears of a second wave could be due to reopening too fast and too broad. Uh, we will, and that's you know why the market was down big today. We will see in a week or two if there is any impact on cases from the recent protests and riots. Malcolm is concerned about bringing football back due to the high contact nature of the sport. Come on, bring football back. We need football. People need something to watch. <laughs> Larry Jacobs, who was uh, moderating the webinar, strangely, very, very strangely asked if it would be useful to have more grim coverage of what it is like to get the virus in order to get people to better comply with uh, social distancing and mask-wearing protocols. So to me, that sounds like he just wants to do more fear-mongering. I mean, hey, we're getting, we're getting told what to do. Most people are complying. And uh, some people aren't okay, whatever. But do we really need com or do we really need commercials or or little you know uh, PA announcements or or little short videos on TV and the internet showing what it's like to have the virus just to get people to social distance and uh, and wear masks when uh, it still has not been necessarily one hundred percent. You know, proven that these things are, uh, you know, that they work. Uh, how many times have we heard the CDC say you, you don't need to wear a mask? You do need to wear a mask. You don't need to wear a mask. You do need to wear a mask. You don't need to wear a mask. I mean, so on the one hand, we're getting very confusing uh, information from the CDC and the WHO, but now this guy wants to turn around and, and scare the, the crap out of everybody to make sure we do it anyway, regardless of whether or not it's even true that these things help. So that's my take on that. And the last point was the surveillance data that they're using uh, to track and monitor the disease is aggregated. It is not individual or identifiable data. And uh, they showed a chart that showed uh, case incidents by race by and ethnicity categories. Uh, so the biggest case incidences are with black, Asian, Native American, and Hispanic. And uh, much lower case incidences. Uh, this is incidence per 100,000 people, um, as compared to uh, the percent of the population that these groups uh, represent. So, white, Asian, American, Indian, or Alaska Native, and multiple races were much lower than Black, Native American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander, and Hispanic. So uh, those are the three that are seeing the highest incidences of cases. Okay, the, uh, well, I didn't 
really have any big news on the coronavirus, at least in terms of statistics, but uh, we've already heard the news that uh, several states are seeing more cases and more need for ICU beds, so that's not good news, but I'm not seeing that in the data. I'm seeing uh, for the United States, uh, the growth rate in fatalities on June 9 was 1%, and on June 10 it was 0.9%, so uh, it was actually slower. So, I, you know, I, I guess that's overall, but certain states are seeing spikes. So that's what uh, investors are queuing in on today and leading the market much, much lower. Now for tip number 44 on how to stay sane during unemployment. Tip number 44 is under the fifth commandment of be good to others. Tip number 44 is go somewhere or do something with somebody who could use some company. If you know somebody, you know, close to you or not so close to you, um, that could use some company, uh, go and do something if you can. <laughs> go to a restaurant that's finally open for patio dining or maybe indoor dining or somewhere that's open that hasn't been open for a while and you can take them and go there. Um, or just go for a walk with them or go to the beach with them or go for a bike ride with them or, or heck, go to church with them or go to, you know, go hiking with them or swimming if you can, I don't know. Go do something with somebody who you think could use some company. It will do both you and that other person a lot of good and keep your mind off your uh, situation with unemployment or lost income or a lost loved one or whatever the case may be. That's all I have for today. If you like what you hear, please subscribe or follow me. Please spread the word. Uh, look, listen to previous episodes for other tips on how to stay sane during unemployment if you wish. Tune in tomorrow for a look at import and export prices as well as consumer sentiment. This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Stay safe and stay sane. Enjoy the rest of your day and thanks for listening.